Section 11 of Aspects of Love, an Anthology. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Addison. The Sonnets by William Shakespeare. A Hundred and One. O truant muse, what shall be thy amends for thy neglect of truth in beauty died? Both truth and beauty on my love depends so dost thou too and therein dignified make answer muse wert thou not haply said truth needs no colour with his colour fixed beauty no pencil beauty's truth to lay but best is best if never intermixed because he needs no praise wilt thou be dumb excuse not silence so for it lies in thee to make him much outlive a gilded tomb, And to be praised of ages yet to be. Then do thy office, muse, I teach thee how, To make him seem long hence, as he shows now. 102. My love is strengthened, though more weak in seeming. I love not less, though less the show appear that love is merchandised whose rich esteeming the owner's tongue doth publish everywhere our love was new and then but in the spring when i was wont to greet it with my lays as philomel in summer's front doth sing and stops her piping growth of riper days not that the summer is less pleasant now than when her mournful hymns did hush the night but that wild music burthens every bough, And sweets grown common lose their dear delight. Therefore, like her, I sometime hold my tongue, Because I would not dull you with my song. 103. Alack, what poverty my muse brings forth, That having such a scope to show her pride, the argument or bear is of more worth than when it hath my added praise beside oh blame me not if i no more can write look in your glass and there appears a face that overgoes my blunt invention quite dulling my lines and doing me disgrace were it not sinful then striving to mend to mar the subject that before was well for to no other pass my verses tend than of your graces and your gifts to tell, and more, much more, than in my verse can sit, your own glass shows you when you look in it. A hundred and four. To me, fair friend, you never can be old, for as you were when first your eye I eyed, such seems your beauty still, three winters cold, have from the forest shook three summers pride three beauteous springs to yellow autumn turned in process of the seasons have i seen three april perfumes in three hot tunes burned since first i saw you fresh which yet are green ah yet doth beauty like a dial hand steal from his figure and no pace perceived so your sweet hue which methinks still doth stand at motion and mine eye may be deceived for fear of which hear this thou age unbred ere you were born was beauty's summer dead 
105. Let not my love be called idolatry, nor my beloved as an idol show, since all alike my songs and praises be to one of one, still such and ever so. Kind is my love to-day, to-morrow kind, still constant in a wondrous excellence, therefore my verse to constancy confined, one thing expressing leaves out difference. Fair, kind, and true is all my argument, fair, kind, and true, varying to other words, and in this change is my invention spent, three themes in one which wondrous scope affords fair kind and true have often lived alone which three till now never kept seat in one a hundred and six when in the chronicle of wasted time i see descriptions of the fairest whites and beauty making beautiful old rhyme in praise of ladies dead and lovely knights then in the blazon of sweet beauty's best of hand of foot of lip of eye of brown i see their antique pen would have expressed even such a beauty as you master now so all their praises are but prophecies of this our time all you prefiguring and for they looked but with divining eyes they had not skill enough your worth to sing for we which now behold these present days have eyes to wonder but lack tongues to praise a hundred and seven not mine own fears nor the prophetic soul of the wide world dreaming on things to come can yet the lease of my true love control supposed as forfeit to a confined doom the mortal moon hath her eclipse endured and the sad augurs mock their own presage incertainties now crown themselves assured and peace proclaims olives of endless age now with the drops of this most balmy time my love looks fresh and death to me subscribes since spite of him I'll live in this poor rhyme, while he insults o'er dull and speechless tribes. And thou in this shalt find thy monument, when tyrants' crests and tombs of brass are spent. A hundred and eight. What's in the brain that ink may character, which hath not figured to thee my true spirit? What's new to speak? what now to register that may express my love or thy dear merit nothing sweet boy but yet like prayers divine i must each day say o'er oh, the very same counting no old thing old thou mine i thine even as when first i hallowed thy fair name so that eternal love in love's fresh case weighs not the dust and injury of age nor gives no necessary wrinkles place, but makes antiquity for I this page, finding the first conceit of love their bread, where time and outward form would show it dead. A hundred and nine. Oh, never say that I was false of heart, though absence seemed my flame to qualify, 
as easy might I from myself depart, as from my soul which in thy breast doth lie. That is my home of love. If I have ranged, like him that travels, I return again, just to the time, not with the time exchanged, so that myself bring water for my stain. Never believe, though in my nature reigned all frailties that besiege all kinds of blood, that it could so preposterously be stained to leave for nothing all thy sum of good. For nothing this wide universe I call, save thou my rose, in it thou art my all. A hundred and ten. Alas, tis true, I have gone here and there, and made myself a motley to the view. Gored mine own thoughts, sold chief what is most dear, made old offences of affections new. Most true it is, that I have looked on truth askance and strangely, that by all above these blenches gave my heart another youth, and worse essays proved thee my best of love. Now all is done, save what shall have no end. Mine appetite I never more will grind on newer proof to try an older friend, a god in love, to whom I am confined. Then give me welcome, next my heaven the best, even to thy pure and most loving breast. A hundred and one. Oh, for my sake, do you with fortune chide, the guilty goddess of my harmful deeds, that did not better for my life provide than public means which public manners breeds? Thence comes it that my name receives a brand, and almost thence my nature is subdued to what it works in like the dyer's hand. Pity me then, and wish I were renewed, whilst, like a willing patient, I will drink potions of azel gainst my strong infection, no bitterness that I will bitter think, nor double penance to correct correction. Pity me then, dear friend, and I assure ye, even that your pity is enough to cure me. A hundred and twelve. Your love and pity doth the impression fill which vulgar scandal stamped upon my brow. For what care I, who calls me well or ill, so you or green my bad, my good, allow? You are my all the world, and I must strive to know my shames and praises from your tongue. None else to me, nor I to none alive, that my steeled sense or changes right or wrong. In so profound abysm I throw all cares, of others' voices, that my adder's sense, to critic and to flatter a stopped hour, mark how with my neglect I do dispense. You are so strongly in my purpose bred, that all the world beside methinks are dead. A hundred and thirteen. Since I left you, mine eye is in my mind, and that which governs me to go about, doth part his function and is partly blind, seems seeing but effectually is out for it no form delivers to the heart a bird a flower or shape which it doth latch of his quick objects hath the mind no part nor his own vision holds what it doth catch for if it see the rudest or gentlest sight the most sweet favour or deformest creature the mountain or the sea the day or night the crow or dove it shapes them to your feature incapable of more replete with you my most true mind 
thus maketh mine untrue. A hundred and fourteen. Or whether doth my mind, being crowned with you, drink up the monarch's plague this flattery? Or whether shall I say my eye saith true, and that your love taught it this alchemy, to make of monsters and things indigest such cherubims as your sweet self resemble, creating every bad a perfect best, as fast as objects to his beams assemble. Oh, tis the first, tis flattery in my seeing, and my great mind most kingly drinks it up. Mine eye well knows what with his gust is greeing, and to his palate doth prepare the cup. If it be poisoned, tis the lesser sin that mine eye loves it and doth first begin. A hundred and fifteen. Those lines that I before have writ do lie, even those that said I could not love you dearer, yet then my judgment knew no reason why my most full flame should afterwards burn clearer. But reckoning time, whose millioned accidents creep in twixt boughs and change decrees of kings, tan sacred beauty, blunt the sharpest intents, divert strong minds to the course of altering things. Alas, why fearing of time's tyranny, might I not then say, now I love you best, when I was certain or incertainty, crowning the present doubting of the rest? Love is a babe, then might I not say so, to give full growth to that which still doth grow. A hundred and sixteen. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh, no, it is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. A hundred and seventeen. Accuse me thus that I have scanted all, wherein I should your great deserts repay, forgot upon your dearest love to call, whereto all bonds do tie me day by day, that I have frequent been with unknown minds, and given to time your own dear purchased right, that I have hoisted sail to all the winds, which should transport me farthest from your sight, book both my wilfulness and errors down, and on just proof surmise accumulate, Bring me within the level of your frown, but shoot not at me in your wakened hate, since my appeal says I did strive to prove the constancy and virtue of your love. A hundred and nineteen. Like as to make our appetite more keen, with eager compounds we our palate urge, as to prevent our maladies unseen, we sicken to shun sickness when we purge. Even so, being full of your near cloying sweetness, 
to bitter sources did I frame my feeding, and sick of welfare found a kind of meekness to be diseased, ere that there was true needing. Thus policy in love to anticipate the ills that were not grew to faults assured, and brought to medicine a healthful state, which rank of goodness would by ill be cured. But thence I learn and find the lesson true, drugs poison him that so fell sick of you. A hundred and nineteen. What potions have I drunk of siren tears, distilled from Limbeck's foulous hell within, applying fears to hopes and hopes to fears, still losing when I saw myself to win? What wretched errors hath my heart committed, whilst it hath thought itself so blessed never? How have mine eyes out of their spheres been fitted, in the distraction of this madding fever? O oh, benefit of ill, now I find true, that better is by evil still made better, and ruined love, when it is built anew, grows fairer than at first, more strong, far greater. So I return rebuke to my content, and gain by ill thrice more than I have spent. A hundred and twenty. That you were once unkind befriends me now, and for that sorrow which I then did feel, needs must I under my transgression bow, unless my nerves were brass or hammered steel. For if you were by my unkindness shaken as I by yours, you passed a hell of time, and I, a tyrant, have no leisure taken to weigh how once I suffered in your crime. Oh, that a night of woe might have remembered my deepest sense how hard true sorrow hits, and soon to you as you to me then tendered the humble salve which wounded bosoms fits, but that your trespass now becomes a fee, mine ransoms yours, and yours must ransom me. End of section 11